Well, if I'm going to be completely honest with you as we get started here tonight, uh, I have to admit that uh, the summer's been a bit of a whirlwind. Uh, Starting with Pastor Tim's a couple weeks out of the pulpit laid flat on his back, um, and... And then after that, I had a little bit of time, and then we had Vacation Bible School, which was a great week. And then I had a week in between Vacation Bible School and the week for the missions trip. And then I came home and I had a week in between uh, the missions trip and and speaking at Camp Barakel. And and then I jumped out of Camp Barakel and I uh, jumped into the pulpit again uh, this evening and this morning, uh, because Tim's on vacation. But... I can honestly say that it's truly a joy and a privilege to serve. And if God just wants to cram all those opportunities all into one small time uh, frame, who am I to argue with that? But I felt like this morning, I I just had so much that I wanted to say and just wanted to tear through so much to make sure that I could get through everything. So my goal tonight is to try to slow it down a little bit and really try to finish this message strong. because I think it's a really important concept for a lot of believers that we don't always connect the putting off and the putting on. And we see that pattern all throughout Scripture in all sorts of different uh, ways. Second uh, Corinthians 5.21 tells us, God made him who knew no sin, the one with the sinless, holy, righteous one, to be sin for us. So that in him we might become his righteousness. It's the, it's the great exchange of scripture. And, and we get to put off our, our, our sinful uh, nature and we get his righteousness. Uh, and, and we just see that, con- that, that concept constantly coming out uh, through scripture. And, and so tonight, as we're, as we're kind of bringing to a conclusion this, this putting sin to death uh, message, I, re- I really hope that when we all walk away that we really grasp that concept of, of the fact that the, the gospel message has completely saved us. And yet, God wants us to pour ourselves into our pursuit of him for our entire lives. And, and in doing that, we're working out our salvation with fear uh, and trembling. And so, so it's my hope that this uh, message uh, from this morning and this evening will be an encouragement to all of us. Um, but if there's those that are struggling with sins in their life and they really feel like God is just not blessing them or they really feel like, like God is not using them, uh, I, I really uh, hope that this is a, a, a two-part series that, that will really cause them to dive into their relationship with Christ and to examine where they're really at uh, with the Lord because it's so easy for us uh, and, and I work with teens most of the time, but it's so easy, especially for people who go to a good church like ours. Our teens have grown up in a good church, and they've got great Sunday school programs, and they've been learning verses in Awana, and, and, and we have great small groups for our adults, and, and we've got great teaching and preaching from this pulpit. Uh, and we praise the Lord for those things. But sometimes it's easy for us to begin to rely on the teaching we're hearing and receiving and, and forget that God wants us to pursue him in our own lives. And, and, and it's not for you and I to sit and be receivers uh, only of God's word, but we're supposed to be pouring our own hearts and our own lives into uh, the scriptures as well. So, um, so that's kind of the direction that we're uh, going to be going uh, this evening. Uh, and, I, and as I said, I hope and I pray that this will be an encouragement to you. So we left off. Uh, with, with contemplating, making a plan, even if that plan includes some radical changes that we have to make in our life. 
And uh, the next point that we're going to start with tonight is that because we can make all the plans that we want, in, in his heart a man plans his uh, steps, but the Lord directs his paths. Uh, we can make all the plans that we want, but we must battle. Uh, you and I, if you've been a Christian for more than a short time, you know that it is a daily battle for you to remain steadfast in your walk with Christ. And, and you and I have to be willing to do the hard work that it's going to take for us to continue to grow in our relationship with the Lord. And that's, that, yes, that comes in the putting off of the old self and the putting on of the new self, but it, it shows up in so many different areas and aspects of our lives. In Romans 6.13, we read this. Present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Our bodies are a living sacrifice that we must commit to living for Christ. And even the members of our body, going back to the, you know, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, tear it out, rip it out. Because even the members of our body should be offered as a living sacrifice to our Lord. Because he has done so much for us. And, and you and I need to understand that, you know, to put it in maybe more modern terms, that means that we have to grind. Like, sometimes our walk with Christ is a daily grind. And, and we don't oftentimes like to, to, you know, put words on it like that, but I, I think that the, that the grinding aspect of it is important for us. Because there are definitely going to be difficult days, where, where we're not sure how exactly God's going to get us through some of the struggles that we're facing. But, but our job is to present ourselves as someone who has been brought from death to life. Someone, to, someone we're supposed to present ourselves as those who have put off that old self and put on the new self. And for us to do that, we have to do those little things that matter each and every day. You know, I, when I speak to the teens, I oftentimes give extreme examples. And, and one that I've used before in the past is, uh, especially with young men, um, but really this is applicable to all Christians, but especially young men, we, we like to think, man, I really want to do great things for God. And, you know, our minds, being young men, oftentimes thinks like, you know what, if a terrorist broke into this auditorium, like, I would grab this Apple pen, and I would take him down. Like, there's no way that terrorist is going to get anywhere near these people of this church because I love my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I will do something big like that to serve the Lord if I have to. But there's not as much glorious about the daily grind of walking in our faith. Like, we don't get as excited about, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to serve those who are in need. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go visit somebody in the hospital and, and care for them. I'm going to go visit that uh, person next door who's, whose father just passed away, and they seem to really be hurting. Are, are we willing to grind in those areas and put ourselves aside? And, and am I willing to do those things that are necessary for me to overcome those sinful habits in my life? Am I going to be the one who is going to dive into the Word and, and to examine my own life? Is my prayer life going to be such that I really am saying, search me, O God, and know my heart? See if there's any wicked way in me. Right? Am I really going to do those things? 
See, sometimes we're, we're drawn to the big things. But those daily grind things in our walk with Christ, we, we sometimes don't want and aren't willing to do those things. Theologian Thomas Brooks says this about this daily grind and doing those little things. You see, a little hole in a ship sinks it. A small breach in a sea bank carries away all before it. A little stab in the heart kills a man. And a little sin, without a great deal of mercy, will damn a man. You see, we've got to see the little sins in our life as big things in the eyes of God. And we have to grind even on those small things that God brings to our attention. And I think that, that oftentimes when we know that we're struggling with big sins, again, it's easy for us to, to say, yeah, I'm going I'm to go after those big sins in my life. But am I willing to really step back and say, okay, Lord, what are the areas in my life that may be small right now, but will grow into something bigger if I don't grind it out, confess these things to you, and repent of these sins? If I'm not willing to do the daily battle that it requires for me to deal with those small sins in my life, what's going to be the ultimate outcome of that? And there's no such thing as a little stab to the heart of a man. That's going to take him down. And that's what sin is. It's a stab into our heart that we're allowing. It's a yoke that we're placing ourselves under, as we were reminded of this morning. And so, you know, if you and I, then, are committed to trying to overcome sin in our life, we have to deal with it immediately when it first begins to rear its ugly head. We can't let these things kind of come into our life unnoticed and unchecked. Because if we do that, it grows into something much worse. You see, because there's no such thing as little sins in the eyes of God, we should be using God's word then to apply it to our lives to put to death all of those things. It's also an illustration that I like to use for sin is that sin is often like a tiger. And we need to tame our sin when it's little, when it's a cub. Because when it grows into a fierce tiger, it'll consume us. One snap of its jaws can end us. But oftentimes we play with a little tiger and we're like, oh, look at how cute it is. It's so cuddly and it's not that big of a deal. But sin is a big deal. And we always need to put it to death right away. That's why I believe the scriptures are really clear. Romans 13, 14 tells us this. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. You and I need to understand that, that sometimes the daily things that we do, we are either feeding the flesh in the old man, or we're feeding the new man and growing in godliness. What are you going to feed? What, what daily choices am I going to make to feed either the new man or the old man. And that's a choice that we have to make, like we talked about this morning. But we're the only ones who can make that in our lives. Coming to a great church like ours, sitting in a great small group, coming to a, a Wednesday night class or, or Bible study with men or women, uh, they're great things, but you and I have to commit to do the things that are necessary and required in our own lives if we're going to continue to grow in godliness and put sin to death in our lives. And if we, are willing to, if we are willing to do that battle, if we are really willing to grind it out on a daily basis, then I think the next thing that we have to do is really, truly meditate on God's word.
We can always spend more time dwelling upon God and who who he is and what he's done for us. A book that uh, I I think that people could read over and over uh, that we studied with the teens, I think two summers ago, is The Disciplines of Grace. And, And it talks about how doing these different prayer and studying the word and the fellowship and, and being in church and serving Christ. and it, it went through all these disciplines, these spiritual disciplines in our lives. But it was a reminder for us that, that these are not just things that we do to discipline ourselves because we have to. But when we're doing these things, we're growing in our relationship with God. We're, we're getting to know him and his character and nature better. And so it's a beautiful thing for you and I to do when, we, when we're studying the Lord through the disciplines, the spiritual disciplines in our lives. We're meditating upon who he is. We're going to grow to want to be more like him and his son. James 4 verses 6 through 8 tells us this. But he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And again, we see this concept in Scripture, this pattern in Scripture, that we should not be double-minded. We have to have a single mind. And that means that, that we understand that it's God who gives the grace, but he opposes the proud. Again, we have these opposite things. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. So we need to resist the devil and draw near to God. It's not just enough to resist the devil. Resist the devil and draw near to God and he's going to draw near to you. It's not simply enough to just say, no, I don't want to do that. I'm going to try not to do that. I'm going to, in my own strength, I'm going to do my best to, to not do that. We need to resist the devil and the sin and the temptation that we're facing and draw near to God in his holiness. Cleanse your hands and purify your hearts lest you be a double-minded believer. That's, that's something that I, I think most Christians have leveled at them at one point or another in their life while so many Christians are just hypocrites. Well, you and I need to understand that if we're truly honest about our brokenness, our sinfulness, our fallen human nature, that we're fighting and warring against every day, then, then we can confess that to others and say, you know what, you are right. I am a sinful human being just like you are, and I am daily in need of the grace of God. That's why I'm resisting the devil and drawing near to God. Even though my sins have been forgiven, even though my, my account is paid in full because of what Christ has done for me, I want to glorify him. And so I am going to live daily for him, and I'm going to do those things by drawing upon his word as a means of his grace in my life. The more you meditate upon God and his holiness, the more you will want to be like his character and nature. Be holy for I am holy. The more that we meditate upon what Jesus has done for us, the more that we will want to walk in his steps and follow his lead. Not because we can earn more grace, not because Jesus will love us more, but because we are so thankful and our heart is overwhelmed by what he has done for us. The the, the The depth of his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, his love for us should motivate us to pursue him and his holiness in our lives. The teens up at Camp Barakel were studying Psalm 19 and memorizing parts of Psalm 19 uh, for the week. 
Uh, and it was a reminder for them right there that the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. God's word will revive our soul. It will be a means of grace in our life. It will be a means of us to know the depths of who he is. The testimony of the Lord is sure, Psalm 19 continues, making wise the simple. If we want wisdom, go to God's word. Meditate on who he is. That's how we're going to learn to deal with sin. That's how we're going to learn to to draw Uh, deeper in our relationship with him. Meditating on God's word can bring us back to life. And so if you're struggling with sin, spend extra time meditating upon God's word and who he is. Pour yourself into a a study of the sin that you're struggling with. I encourage you to find a a brother or sister in Christ to, to talk about these things with and to have accountability with. But spend time pouring into God's word and asking his Holy Spirit to use his word to change you. That's the kind of meditating that you and I need to be doing on God's word, specific to the struggles that we're facing in our lives. And God will use his word to pour into us. Because the next step is that we need to expect. If we're going to really believe in God's word and believe in the power of God's word and believe that it is the power of salvation for everyone who believes, if we're going to believe these things about God's word, then we need to come to God's word expectantly. We need to come to God's word understanding that that when he says that he has given us the Holy Spirit who gives us power to have victory over sin, we need to really believe that. And, And that means that we'll act on God's word too. Because if we truly believe the promises that he's made, we will act on the things that he has called us to. And too often, the only times that we really hear about acting upon the promises of God is when it's like somebody who's saying a prosperity gospel message or something. You know, believe God and he's going to give you the new Porsche that you want. And, you know, he wants to give you your best life now. That's not it at all. But what God does want, he wants to conform you and make you into the image of his son. And God's word tells us that he wants to do that. And so if, and that's a really big if, if you and I are truly serious about confronting sin in our life, God wants to give us victory. If you and I are serious about putting sin to death in our lives, do you think that God is not going to want to help you to overcome the sin? Do you think that if you're doing battle, God doesn't want you to have victory so that he can be glorified because you will be testifying that it's not me that's overcoming this sin in my life. It's not me that has the power over the sin that I'm battling and struggling with. It's only through the power of Jesus living in me. His Holy Spirit leading, guiding, and directing and convicting me of my sin and calling me to repentance. God's going to get glory from that. And, And God wants to glorify himself even more than we do. He has given us his spirit, he has given us his word, he has given us everything necessary so that we can have victory in our lives. Hebrews 4.12 tells us this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, uh, two-edged sword, Chad's New American paraphrase, sorry, Uh, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I always should just read verses instead of trying to half-memorize them and say them because sometimes it comes out the New American International ESV version. Uh, and I, That's too long, so I just call it Chad's New American Paraphrase. Uh, the Word of God is living and active. God's Word is going to do what it promises to do. It will cut us to the quick if 
We'll allow ourselves to be placed under the teaching of God's Word. If we'll allow the Holy Spirit to truly use God's Word to to guide us and direct us, God wants to call us to purity. God wants to call us to repentance. God wants to bring us back into a correct relationship with Him. And so we should expect His help because we can't do it on our own strength. When we came to Christ, we understood that. We, we understood that there was no way and nothing that I could do in my own strength to earn my salvation. But like the Galatians, we begin to think, well, now that I'm in Christ, I need to do these things so that I can earn God's merit and favor. That's a, that's a tendency that we still have because of our fallen human nature. And we need to realize that even our daily walking with Him is because of His power and strength in our lives. And so we need to expectantly go to God's Word and allow him to teach us, rebuke us, correct us, and do do all that his word has promised that it will do. 1 John 3.3 3 says, And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. And our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And his word like, should be our greatest hope. His word should be what we go to when we're struggling with sin. But too often, I think a lot of Christians, when when we're struggling with sin, the first thing that we do is is we we pull away from God's word and push ourselves away from our our devotional life because it's just too convicting and it makes me me feel bad. And I'm an American, I shouldn't have to feel bad. I should only be able to feel good about myself. And sometimes God's word just hits me. Right between the eyes and it it calls me to repentance and convicts me. That's exactly what we need. And we should hope in and go to God's word expectantly. Because everyone who hopes in him purifies himself. It's going to make us pure. It's going to make us more holy. It's going to make us more like his son. And that's a good thing because he is pure. And he hates our sin more than we do. Not only does he want us to have victory more than we do. He hates our sin more than we do. In the quiet of your heart, when you are struggling with your own brokenness and your own sinfulness, when you have just made that horrible mistake, you've gone back to some sin that you struggle with, the, the, the depth of your hurts and pains is nothing compared to God's hatred of our sin. And that doesn't mean he hates us. But he, he despises our sin. It is, it is so detestable in his eyes. And so we should go to God's word expecting him to conform us into his image. Because that is our hope. And we have to trust that God's word will do what God's word will do. That's the reason that Isaiah 51 says uh, that his word will never return void. You and I need to believe that. It it will accomplish the purpose for which God has for it. It will succeed in what he intends for it to do. So we need to go to God's word expectantly, hoping that he will convict us and that he will call us back into that relationship with him. So that is the the putting off of the old self. We have to do those things, and it is not a. This is not a mathematical algorithm. If you do this, 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 and this, then you know everything is going to be great. And you may walk away from this and say, you know what? I'm going to focus on two of these things to put that old self to death. 
But if that's what you're going to do, then you also need to then begin living for the new self. So you need to start new habits. You need to put new things in your life. And and as we're putting on the new man, when we're putting to death the old man, that's going to be where God really uses his word to penetrate into our lives. You see, essentially, this is just a simple way of thinking about true repentance. When we're trying to put off the old... Because I know what it is, I've seen what it is, I've identified the sin that I struggle with. And, and now, I, I know that that is sinful, I confess that to God, I give that up, and I want to pursue godliness and righteousness in my life. Not for my sake, not so he can bless me better, but because he deserves a child living for him, who will glorify him. And, and so I'm putting to death the old man and I'm starting new habits to live for him. We agree with God that our, our sin is, is, is still a problem in our relationship. And now, I want to put that sin to death and live for him. Not just going through the motions, but true and genuine repentance in my life. And so for that to happen, I need to agree with God. I need to understand all of those things that we talked about this morning. And then, I need to begin to replace that sin in my life. You know, uh, John Calvin has said that the human heart is an idol factory, right? We are created to worship. So we will worship something. We will either worship the one true God who we were created to worship, or we will replace God with anything in our lives. And man, we are really good at making idols and worshiping something. And so we will, if there's an emptiness and a void in our life, we will fill it with something. And so you and I, as believers in Christ, need to understand that because of our fallen sinful human nature, when we're trying to eradicate and put to death sin, we need to fill that void in our lives with, with good godly habits. It's not just enough to say, all right, God, I repent of my sin. I see that it's ugly. I've identified it. I'm meditating on your word. um, And now I'm good to go. I'm just going to go kind of live my life the way that I was. And everything's going to be the same. Because if everything's the same, you'll fall back into the same patterns of sinfulness that you did before. In our passage in Colossians 3... Beginning in verse 12 through 15, let me reread that. Put on then as God's dearly chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has complaint against the other, forgiving one another. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body, and be thankful." You see, when when I think of this kind of uh, repentance and an understanding of our sin and an understanding of our brokenness, I think of the prodigal son. And the prodigal son, when when he came back to his father, he, he said, you know what, I am so broken, I was so wrong, I was so sinful, I am willing to come back just to be a servant in your house. That would be good enough for me, that's all I deserve. That's, that's the true repentance. And, and he's willing to replace his brokenness and his, hey, give me everything, I deserve my inheritance now. And he's willing to replace that with, I am willing to go to work as a servant in your house, God. 
Like, you have, your Father, you have done so much for me, Father, that I am willing just to come back to have that relationship with you. I will be a servant in your house if that is required. And so, so he was replacing his brokenness. He was replacing his give me everything attitude right now with an attitude of, of humility and of servitude and, and of really understanding that that just to be in a relationship with his father was enough. He wasn't faking it to be allowed back in. And that's what God wants to see from us. That's what true repentance looks like. We, we get rid of those old things and re- replace them with new things. The, uh, the bulletin was supposed to say at some point Colossians 3 and Ephesians 4. And then I said, okay, let's take the Ephesians chapter 4 out of it because, uh, you know, Pastor Tim's been preaching through Ephesians, so I don't want everybody to think I'm just preaching a message that Tim's kind of preached. But Ephesians chapter 4 goes so well with Colossians chapter 3. So we're going to look at some of the verses in Ephesians chapter 4 together tonight to really understand this putting on the new. Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 22 through 25. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Again, we're supposed to put away falsehood. That's the broken, sinful, fallen nature that we need to get rid of. And we need to put on the new nature and and speak the truth to our neighbors with love. Picking it up in verse 28 and 29. Let the thief no longer steal. The broken, fallen, sinful human nature. You're a thief. Stop stealing. But it's not enough to stop stealing, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. Scripture tells us, you know what? You're busy. Your old self, you were a thief. You wanted to get everything for free. You were a freeloader. And and now God calls us, no, there's, there's... godliness in work. There's respectability in work. And we can honor God with the service of our hands. Don't be a thief anymore, but work with your hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. And and maybe you have a problem with the tongue. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Put that to death. But only such as good for, for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those to hear. You know what? You can use your tongue. You used to use your tongue to tear people down. You had this, all this corrupting talk coming out of your mouth. You need to stop that. What do you, what do, you do after you stop that? You replace it with, with using your mouth to glorify God, to build others up. That, that will be a, a means of grace to those who hear it. It's not enough to just stop this. Put God's grace in your mouth and on your tongue. Continues in verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. So get rid of that nastiness. And what should you do instead? Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. So we see this pattern repeatedly throughout Scripture. Put that to death, put this on. Get rid of that, put this in your life. But the only way that we can do that is understanding that in Christ, God has forgiven you. Please, don't miss that. That is the heart of this. Are you in Christ? And if there are those here tonight who are not in Christ, 
The only way to be in Christ is to understand our sinful brokenness and that there was nothing to do for us to accomplish our salvation, that Jesus Christ did it all for us. And and so when we are in Christ, we know what that means. And, And so we put off the old and we put on the new. We have to replace the brokenness in our lives with those things that will bring honor and glory to our Savior. And then when we're replacing those things, just like it's a daily grind for us, and we have to battle, we have to have a plan, and we have to to work that plan out as God leads, guides, and directs us, then our plan should also include a hard pursuit of Him. You and I must pursue God. Psalm 14.2 tells us this, The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. You know, I think sometimes in our walks with Christ, because we say things like Christ has done everything necessary to accomplish our salvation. We are saved by grace and not by works. We forget that after we are saved, God has called us to do good works for him. Calls us to pursue him wholeheartedly with our lives. That's the process of sanctification. We are becoming that which he has already called us to be. And that only happens as you and I, just with everything that we have, make God our top priority. Seeking his kingdom and righteousness and trusting that he's going to take care of all that other stuff for us. We have to pursue him. And that means constantly exposing ourselves to God's word. I've already talked about it a little bit, but I cannot say it enough. You and I need to, in our own lives, be feeding on God's word. You need to be doing things like coming together and fellowshipping with other believers. And, and that means that, that it's not just coming to church to hear God's word and then shooting out. Right? Being part of the church, being part of the, the gathering of the believers and, and sharing life together is an important part of who we are in Christ. And, and if we're just coming to hear God's word so I can leave uh, and, and feel blessed, well, then, and then you're coming for some of the wrong reasons. God calls us to a deeper relationship than that with his bride, the church. And so you and I need to be pursuing that relationship and having people in our lives who are going to call us to account when we need that. So you and I have to pursue the Lord daily in our lives. He will draw near to us when we are drawing near to him. In a few moments, we're going to close with the old hymn, Just a Closer Walk with Thee. And, and I want us to just think about one of the verses, just a closer, or the refrain, just a closer walk with thee, grant it, Jesus, is my plea, daily walking close to thee, let it be, dear Lord, let it be. Daily walking close to thee. Like, we have to constantly be making daily decisions which are going to draw us closer and deeper in our relationship with Christ. We need to be doing things like having going away on retreats. Husbands and wives can, can go away together for a retreat and, and be fed God's word together. And you know, sometimes it's, you know, even for pastors, it's easy. We're, we're sometimes separated and, you know, I'm up here and Julie's at the piano and then my kids are downstairs and it's important to gather together as a family to worship and to do those things together. It's important to, to be spending time in prayer together, to be asking God, how are you at work in our family's life? How might you use us 
in this community? Lord, is there something else that you would want us to be doing? And and is there sin in our lives that's preventing us from doing that? How can we honor and glorify you by putting to death the old self and pursuing godliness and and Christ-likeness in our lives? But that means that, that you and I have the power to do all of these things that God has promised to us. And, and I encourage you that, that you will never regret spending time deepening your relationship to the Lord. You know, when I was a, a college freshman, maybe this is a little too much confession time, I was a very young believer, uh, and uh, I had a college roommate who I love dearly to this day. Uh, it was a gift of God in my life that, that I, we went in blind and I still have this great relationship with my college roommate. Uh, but there was that one point where I was just growing so much in my walk with Christ. Truth be told, I was probably spending a little more time in God's word than I was spending in my studies. And that was reflected a little bit in some of my classes. Um, but as I look back on that, That was a great time in my life that God really used to hone who I am in Christ and to help me to understand the need for his word in my life. And, uh, you know, he said to me one day, man, I think it's great that you're, you know, uh, spending uh, all this time uh, studying uh, the Bible, but how are you doing with your math? Um, I am not advocating, I am not advocating just studying God's word and and not doing your math. especially because that can be costly when you're in college. Uh, But I don't regret that for a moment. You will never regret time spent pursuing your relationship with Christ. Make it a priority. You have to do it. Because the world, we spent a lot of time last week telling the the teens, but it really is not any different for us as as adults. Sometimes God's word just whispers to us, and, and the world screams full throttle. Do this, do this, pursue this. This is what you need. This will make you happy. This will fulfill your desires. And God just says, here's my word. Come to me all who who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Come to me, pursue me, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. My hope is that you and I will understand that sin is serious and we have to put it to death and we have to pursue the godliness and the character qualities and the spiritual disciplines that, that will draw us deeper into our relationship with Christ. It's not enough to just say, all right, I'm going to stop doing that and in the power of my own strength, I'm going to have victory. No, we need the Holy Spirit to replace those things in our lives, to give us the, the hunger for the spiritual things in our lives and to help us as we desire to pursue Christ and draw near to him. We have the means in our hands, well, this is my tablet, you, maybe you have a phone, if not, you know where the internet is somewhere. We have the means to have so much spiritual feeding throughout the week. And yet, oftentimes we use our devices, we use our computers, we use our phones for the opposite of that. I think that pursuing godliness listening to podcasts, finding great sermon videos, you have access to so much. I have access to so much. I think God's going to hold us accountable for that someday. So my prayer is that you and I 
We'll pursue godliness. We'll use the tools that he's given us, his word, resources on the internet, a great church like ours that has great teaching and preaching. And, and he wants us to have all these things so we'll grow in the character and nature of his son who he sent for us. And I'm thankful for that. That's close in prayer. Father God, I know that we cannot overcome sin on our own. I can't. No one can. And Father, I am thankful for your Son, Christ Jesus. I am thankful for the power of the gospel that saves us. And I am thankful for the power of the gospel which sustains us each and every day of our lives. Lord, I pray that you would truly help us to understand the depths of our sin, our desperate need to pursue you in our lives, to put to death the old man and to pursue the new man. Help us, Lord, to truly examine our lives and to truly meditate upon your word and to pursue you. Thank you for the promise that that you will never leave us or forsake us, that you will never uh, abandon us even when we are struggling and, and away from you. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to know your grace, your mercy, and to live faithfully devoted to you so that you could receive the honor and the glory from a life of a broken sinner desperately searching and seeking every day to pursue you so that you receive the honor and the glory. That's our heart's prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.